This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into UBS's Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Bhanu Baveja, Chief Strategist at UBS, and in this episode, we'll be discussing our global economics and markets outlook for 2024-2025, which consists of over 20 essays, 24 trade ideas, more than 600 charts, and three alternative scenarios. I'm joined by Aaron Captain, Chief Economist at UBS, to discuss this. Let's start with the economic section of this report. Aaron, thanks for making the time. So give us the main highlights. What are the main features of this outlook? Sure. So the the global growth forecast is about a half point lower than this year. That's almost entirely due to the U.S. and China. In case of China, it's actually just mechanical. We don't have a repeat of the Q1 reopening boom. We've got some um, property market uh, stabilization, so things actually sequentially get better. But just mechanically, the number for the full year will be down. Uh, and then we have the U.S. Uh, with a couple of negative quarters in the middle of the year, and those two really drive sort of the global uh, global forecast. Um, now, when I look at our numbers, they're not that different from consensus, actually. But what is very different is that we have more disinflation and much more policy easing. So I think the response that we expect to the slowdown is, uh, is a little bit different. Um, the decline in inflation, of course, is going to start to push up real disposable income. So one of the questions is, well, if that's happening, why is growth going down rather than going up? And the main reason is, uh, is really what's happening through the bank lending channel. So the global credit impulse is now running at the worst and most negative level since the global financial crisis. Right. So you made a comment out there. You said, although our growth forecast is almost in line with consensus, about 1%, I'm talking about the U.S. Yeah. specifically, around 1%, um, what you expect from the Fed is very different from consensus, yeah. right? The consensus, if you look at the forwards, are pricing in something like three to four cuts, whereas we are looking at much more like... Um, uh, 275 basis points. In yeah. So why is that? Um, yeah, it's interesting because consensus includes about nine banks that have that U.S. recession, right? It's not just us. And and so it's really the Fed reaction function is not, not coming from the growth numbers. It's coming from the unemployment and the inflation numbers. So we have a dual mandate. And so what matters is the relative miss from the mandate. Now, if you take the consensus numbers, which are basically for next year, 2.3% core PC, so above the target, and then unemployment of about 4.3, which is about 30 bips above Nairu, then those sort of offset. And then if you plug that into a Fed model, you actually don't get very much easing. If you take our numbers, we have 1.8 on core PC, so we're below the target. Uh, we're actually overachieving on the mandate, not now, but we will in the forecast. And then on unemployment, we're at 4.9 by the end of the year, and actually 5.2 in early 25. You plug that into the same Fed model, and the model will say you have to ease aggressively and be sub-neutral. Okay, so so the difference is in the elasticity of unemployment to that GDP. Exactly. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. But let's talk about the GDP again, sticking with the U.S. for a second. Why are we forecasting a U.S. recession? We were forecasting that through the course of 2023. It didn't happen. The, yeah. tra- the data was much better. We're now once again forecasting it in 24. Why? Yeah. Um, the basic premise is starting conditions are a lot worse than they were 12 months ago, right? So obviously we've seen the resilience ourselves in the data. Uh, but when you look at things like credit conditions, the bank lending channel, um, we have a severely negative uh, credit impulse for the for the U.S., which would actually imply implausibly low real domestic demand numbers, right? U.S. Uh, consumers and, and corporates are already getting 4.5% of GDP less in credit than they did the prior 12 months. That number continues to go up. 
If you look at the excess savings, um, they were, you know, with the revisions, they've turned out to be larger than everyone sort of had realized a couple months ago, but they are depleting. So the entire middle part of the income distribution is basically out of savings or out of excess savings. And so that's going to have an impact. You've got lots of stimulus rolling off. You've got the student loans, um, uh, student loan repayments resuming. Uh, and then what's interesting, you've also got um, uh, the margins or the profits now getting squeezed, right? And this is, I'm not talking about S&P, I'm talking really the whole economy. That is usually a, pre a precursor to layoffs, right? Now, when you look at the labor market itself, it looks like you're starting to see that. So private payrolls ex healthcare are running at basically zero, right? And falling at 20K a month. Now, so, you know, looking at the headline payroll numbers, I think doesn't tell the full story. Now, it also is clear that we're not there yet, right? So we think you need another couple quarters of deterioration. But we feel okay about, um, about the forecast that you, you, in the middle of the year, you're going to hit a, a pretty soft patch. This year, we saw upside surprises aplenty. What could be the upside surprises for next year? Um, so if we're right on the inflation numbers, we could get a lot more easing than I think the market expects, right? So the, if you look across the G10, I think there's only about 80 basis points on average price over the next three years, right? We have over 200 basis points of easing over that, that period and then a lot more for the, for the US. So that would certainly be, um, uh, be one uh, upside surprise. Um, I think the other one is uh, we obviously could avoid the U.S. recession, so we could <laughs> talk about that. That would definitely be an upside surprise, at least in the near term, um, because I think it has some implications sort of further out. Um, uh, and then I think, you know, what we're very uncertain about is, is, is uh, how to think about real disposable income. So at one level, um, it, it's intuitive to all our clients that when you say inflation goes down, real spending power goes up, that's good for consumption. Um, now, that relationship holds when you take very long-run averages. It does not hold well at all when you're looking at higher frequency data. And so we're, we're genuinely uncertain about how much weight to attach to that in the forecast. It's a big uh, feature of a European forecast. So we have consumption improving next year in Europe. Other things sort of offset it. Uh, but we you know, might, might be too conservative there. It could actually have much more of an impact and we end up with higher growth numbers than we anticipate. Okay. And Aaron, what are some of the alternative scenarios that you're considering? In yeah, so, so we had the model not having a U.S. recession, right? That's because I, even on our own models, right, when I look at, um, we have different recession models, but the one that extracts the probability from the hard data, um, the, the probability of recession has gone down, right? We've been running at 100% up until the middle of this year. It's now come down to 65%. So, so the stabilization in the cyclical and interest-sensitive part of the economy um, is definitely sending a signal that you know, things are not um, um, the way it would normally play out in a, in a recession. Um, so we, we looked at that, and if you, if you take that out of the forecast, it adds about 50 basis points to global growth, except it also has the implication that you get more inflation and eventually more policy rate hikes. So two years down the road, it's actually a worse outcome relative to the baseline. Um, so we actually think you know, where the Fed is on, on its sort of median uh, estimates, that cannot be reality. So if you avoid the recession, we actually think unemployment goes down towards 3%, sort of a couple years out, and the Fed funds ultimately goes to something like 675. It's just a scenario, but it's, it's a nice stress test because you get these huge outcome ranges on Fed funds for two scenarios that from a probability perspective are actually not that far apart. So that's sort of interesting. The, the other two are we look at a, a lower China growth scenario, so one where the property market doesn't recover. That adds about, uh, sorry, that subtracts about as much from global growth as the U.S. avoiding recession would add. And then the final one, which is actually the most damaging, is if inflation does get stuck, the last mile is the hardest. We don't see evidence of that in the data, but it could happen. And, uh, and so we walk through that in the, in the report. Okay, Aaron, so let me try and summarize the key points that you've made in the, in the economics portion of this report. So number one, we're looking for weak global growth. So it's about 50 basis points below where we were 
this year, and this year we've already had a weak level, so we're going from 3.1% global growth in 2023 to about 2.6% global growth in 2024. So that's below trend, even though the trend is declining, that's below trend global growth. Number two, the big contributions to this decline are really the US and China. So weaker growth in China, but also weaker growth in the US. We're still forecasting a recession in the US. We forecasted that in 2023, didn't work out, but we do think that initial conditions are different and we are going to get a recession in the US through the course of 2024. A mild recession, but a recession nonetheless. Number three, UBS Economics is making the point that um, the disinflation process has already started in earnest and will continue. So we are below consensus on inflation in most countries, particularly in the US where we are about 50 basis points below consensus on core PCE. And lastly, as a result of our view on inflation, we also think central bank actions are going to be more aggressive. Their, their cutting is going to be more aggressive than what is being priced into the market or what is the consensus uh, between uh, economists on the street. Uh, in the US, for instance, the consensus is somewhere between two to three cuts are through the course of next year from the Fed, whereas we are looking for 275 basis points on cuts. We're not that far from consensus on Europe, where the market is looking for about two to three cuts, closer to three, and we are also looking for three cuts from the ECB through the course of next year. But more broadly, we are looking for much more aggressive cutting cycles from central banks than is the street. Arne, with that, thank you very much for your time, and thank you for yours. Thank you for visiting UBS's Research Pod Hub. That was an overview on our global economics and markets outlook for 2024 and 2025 with me and Aaron Captain, Chief Economist at UBS. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regular or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.